everybody, welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hutink, back with my co-host, Christian Conway. I am back from Florida with a tan and ready to talk about Vanny's master plan. Yes, so we've been on uh, international break. Um, so, who's not been on break, actually, though, are the women. Um, Angel City uh, did play San Diego in San Diego. And, you know, Angel City hasn't really been able to get many wins and you know San Diego was able to to just to just beat them and and rightfully so I mean you can't hate <laughs> when goals are coming from Alex Morgan and Kristen Press and you know Angel City did have a, a midweek game so you know maybe they were a little tired but it also doesn't help that a lot of their mains you know have been out injured since preseason so uh we'll delve into this a little bit more on surf break um but i was at the game and it looked to me like angel city fc just didn't have an answer for whatever san diego offered them and then and i was talking to a couple of friends and it's just the numbers that san diego in the advanced analytics department brought in were so incredibly good like San Diego was just so good about hounding the ball and knowing when to pull, when when not to press, when to press. It, it just looked like San Diego had a level above of what Angel City FC could possibly muster. And I think, you know, obviously the goal of San Diego right now is to get Alex Morgan firing, right? Like you need her to be your primary goal scorer. But I mean, it just looked like, you know, even though San Diego conceded two goals, it was one of those weird games where you watch a team concede two goals and you're like, yeah, but did they really need to concede those two? They looked so comfortable in every phase of this game. And I think this speaks to something that Casey Stoney is building. And and I, I mentioned again to a friend of mine, it was about the press for me that the way that San Diego pressed to the game, you know, knew when to attack aggressively, knew when to fill space and knew when to go hard or to sit back. I mean, that's a team that has been together for, what, probably six weeks at best? And yet they press like they've known each other for four or five years. Like, I mean, it's, they've, they've known each other. It, like, it almost looks like that. And so I think it's exciting to be a San Diego Wave fan right now because it's, it's a team that plays with a certain level of, as je ne sais quoi, but like a certain level of, of, of nous and smartness about the way that they hounded the midfield. I, I, I point to Tegan McGrady. I point to Karanak. I point to, you know, Jody Taylor, for example. I mean, Jody Taylor was an absolute engine in this game. I mean, running everywhere, knew how to close down. I mean, this is, a, I'm an excited San Diego fan for the first time ever in my life about a San Diego sports team. It just looked so good at a time when, if you look at that Angel City FC team, I mean, it's a very good team. There's no question about that. You know, but they just didn't have an answer at any given minute. And I think it was exciting to see this, you know, obviously it's the first one at home. It's the first one in franchise history. Alex Morgan scoring two goals. A lot of the PR of that day is very good for San Diego, but man, they just, it looked like a cohesive unit for all 90 minutes. Yeah. It was a strange, uh, own goal on San Diego's part, you know, (laughs) That was just that was such a weird broken play and and I think it's one of those moments where if you talk about it, everything that went wrong for San Diego on the day, when we talk about things that go wrong, and we'll talk about it with the galaxy coming up here, 
you can talk about things that when they go wrong, we talk about structural issues where it's, it's things that the structure that the coach has implemented that the staffs have created inherently have these risks. But all the mistakes that San Diego made, they were mistakes that are very easily coach outable, right? Like, for example, that own goal is a communication mistake. Kalen Sheridan doesn't talk with her center backs very well at that moment, and we have that kind of thing. And Girma had been brilliant on, on the ball and like all of these moments, and just there's one moment of a communication breakdown ends up in the back of the net, right? Like that's a fixable problem. Like it's not everything that San Diego did not do well are all problems where I look at it and I'm like, that's not a bad thing. That's a hey, it's our third game together in a professional setting, right? Like we talked a lot about this this Challenge Cup being, well, some teams are going to approach it like a preseason. Some teams are going to approach it like they actually want the silverware. That was just a preseason mistake. I'm okay with that because I understand that that can get coached out of that team. I think a lot of the stuff I saw from Angel City in terms of their mistake making, I think that's a little structural. And that kind of... It's can, been problematic, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, obviously they looked decently good in that first game against San Diego in, uh, mm-hmm. at Cal State Fullerton. But that first half, they were basically holding on for dear life. In this game, San Diego was able to completely implement their game plan. They ate the wings aggressively. They were just the, the more aggressive team, the smarter team, the more savvy team. And I just think they just, Angel City FC didn't have an answer for that. And I think if I'm an Angel City, F, uh, Angel City FC fan right now, looking at what happened, I'm a little concerned about a lot of the structural issues that I saw in that game against San Diego. Yeah, um, I'm just glad also that this game was on actual CBS so I could watch it on live TV uh, versus Paramount+. Plus. Uh, just a side note, if anyone has been having problems with Paramount+, Plus streaming um, soccer matches, please DM me your username so I can include you in an email. Um, I'm going to get on Paramount+, Plus's case. Um, so, by the way, what an advertisement for the league that game was because I was yeah. in the building and it was the atmosphere was electric. And I, and I hope it came through on television because you had a phenomenal block of traveling supporters for Angel City. But just I think it, it was this odd thing where it's so fascinating to watch a club start because you're watching supporters culture be born. But every San Diego fan was so invested in that game. And it was, you could feel it in every single time, like Alex Morgan got on the ball or Tegan McGrady got on the ball or Karenia got on the ball. It just, the the atmosphere raised a certain level. And it was, I mean, it was, it was a phenomenal advertisement for how exciting and how fun NWSL can be. And I think, and Jamie and I will del- delve into it a little bit more on Surf Break upcoming. Uh, but it was it was just it was such a fun part it was it was so fun to be a part of you know what i mean yeah um it was a high scoring game i think uh being on cbs that they, we definitely gained some new fans i think so hopefully they're san diego fans is what i will say but um, no, <laughs> well was, you know what i will say oh go ahead it was it was a phenomenal energy it was so good to be around and um yeah i i i I like this San Diego team a lot. Like, I really like the way it's been built. I really think they're going to be good. 
Yeah, I uh, actually will represent Angel City for a second and just say I love their daylight kit. I really want it. It's available for pre-order right now. Um, I do have a friend who was like, I hate the bank. I don't want to go there. But if I buy the daylight jersey, is that still counting as a supporting and I can watch all the matches from home? And I, I was like, sure. So if you want to be that person, um, you know, uh, any way that you can support the women's team and, and also rep, um, you know, as Galaxy fans, I I get it that it's it feels too close to LAFC. But listen, the Galaxy had their chance. As One another thing. close friend told me, you know, to, to, to get a women's team. And right now, you know, you've got your choices. Angel City uh, in L.A., obviously. And San Diego. I, I love San Diego. I, I love the, obviously, Christian, you're from there. Um, I love, you know, their their kit, their team, their players. But, you know, this is all we got right now, L.A. So it's time to step up for the women. So what, what, one thing I will say about Angel City FC that I think is going to be a little bit of a concern. And also one thing that mm-hmm. I will say about San Diego this is going to be a very interesting kind of tactical point that I noticed during that, that game, which was both teams were very good about pulling the opposition's team's best chance creator out of the game. I thought Angel City did a very good job of managing and blocking out Jakobsen, and Angel City FC's attack did not look good without Kristen Press being involved, and Kristen Press had mm-hmm. probably her worst game in New Jersey, and I know it's been three games, I get it, but... Mm-hmm. Man, if I'm Angel City and I'm looking at the fact that Kristen Press faded out of that game that hard and, you know, it didn't look good, that's got to be a concern moving forward. Absolutely. I mean, win or lose, you know, your heart chooses your team as well. Um, you know, you got you to gotta stand by. Um, so with that said, <laughs> we segue to the U.S. men's national team uh, who have qualified. We're in. <laughs> We're in, and for, you know, for some people, that's all that matters. Um, it's concerning in terms of obviously as a U.S. fan, you know. But what matters, I guess, at the end of the day, is that they qualified and they have time to fix their issues. You know, um, as much criticism as I, even I've given Berhalter, we have to give him the credit for getting us a team to qualify and. You know, all the concerns uh, aside, um, the U.S. group looks like something they should. (laughs) And, of course, you know, we're overly optimistic on this pod, but should is in big caps and quotes for me. Um, They should be able to get out of that group. So I think to your point about the criticism against Bearhalter and the way that this, this all went down, right? I think a lot of us fell into this kind of, I don't know, it, trap, I guess is what I'll say, which is we saw the game against Costa Rica, which keep in mind the United States has struggled in Costa Rica through qualification since the 1980s. Like, it's a tough place to go. Fair. But, I, again, qualification is not a A, B, and, and as a teacher you will understand this, it's mm-hmm. not an A, B, C, D, or F kind of grading. It's pass-fail. What did the United States do? They've passed. They're in. It doesn't matter how we got there. And I understand that there's a lot of U.S. fans that wanted a more satisfactory end of qualification. And I, I think I fell into that trap for about 10 minutes because I was like, man, it would have been really nice to end this thing in Costa Rica with, you know, a 2-0 win or something like that, right? Like, it would have been nice. But that's not how this works. You know, like, that's not how any of this goes. We're in. That's what matters. And 
you know, I thought they played very well in the first half against Costa Rica. I, I mean, they blew Panama off the field and, you know, it was 5-1, but it probably could have been closer to 6-7-8 as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, they mm-hmm. played well in the first half. But again, in the second half, they looked like a team that was just played three games in eight days. That's going to happen. I'm okay with that. We knew going into Costa Rica, and if anyone had watched that Costa Rica team, they weren't scoring six goals against the United States. We know that to be true. Um, they passed the test. They got there. We're, we're in. Everything's fine. You know, and, and I can understand how people – and we're not going to play a World Cup qualification match for the next – probably six years, right? Because we are going to automatically qualify. Oh, yeah, the structure changes. Well, we're going to automatically qualify for 2026 as hosts. And so I think I can understand this kind of like weird sanguine need to see the United States win their last qualification match for the next however many years. I get that. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, as I come back to, World Cup qualification is a pass or fail exercise. The United States passed. Doesn't matter how they did it. They did it. And they did it in some style, I will fully admit. In terms of the group, obviously that playoff really means a lot, right? Because we understand what's going on with Ukraine and what's currently going on in Ukraine. And our hearts and minds go out to those that are suffering due to this conflict. It does add a very interesting angle to what the United States will face this winter. I think Iran has in terms of an Asian powerhouse, has kind of faded over the past couple of years. I look at Jahan, uh, Jahan Bahash, um, he's good. There's not a lot of players on that Iranian side that I look at, and I think, yeah, this is going to cause problems for the United States. They play England. England, obviously, we know they're European champion finalists. They're a very good team. But I, I do question England right now, considering there's a lot of kind of structural issues in that team. Um, but I look at, you know, that playoff. If, you, if I'm a U.S. men's national team fan, I want Wales. I want Wales desperately and badly because Wales has struggled over the past couple of, of months. Ukraine scares me simply because of the whole entire A, um, the, the good story factor, and B, they're a damn good team. Like, <laughs> they're really good. Uh, in Scotland, they just, they're, they're hardy in a way that, is really difficult to kind of break down. Um, but I look at this group and I don't see a reason the United States can't get out of it. I, I really don't. I think they can, they can go toe to toe to England with, uh, excuse me. They can go toe to toe with England. Iran should be an easy three points. Um, I just look at this and I, I think the United States in a world cup group like that, they've got to feel good about the round of 16. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of comparison comes to this squad, not, being a 2002 squad and everybody's like, well, you can keep saying that every four years, but that wasn't so much the argument that I had my, um, I guess lack of enthusiasm, even though we qualified was just because the team looked like they weren't excited. Like, yes, you're coming off a loss. I understand that Costa Rica's like this, you know, challenging team for us. We haven't been able to beat. So, I understand all that, but I wish that the team itself would have just looked like these are guys that I'm proud of representing, you know, bring that energy, like just, just step it up a bit. I mean, I understand like maybe they were doing it that way. They're tired. They're humble. I don't know, but I just need to see from them that it's like, Hey, we finally qualified. You know, if I'm not feeling it, please make me feel it. You know? Well, I think the game in Orlando 
against Panama was kind of that moment of catharsis of just knowing that we've gotten through. And I can understand that. And I think they did look muted on the night. I think, you know, they're professional athletes. Losing a sporting event for them is is a big deal. But, mm-hmm. you know, you saw in the locker room the champagne and the beer being thrown around and whatever have you. And it, it did look like they were, you know, decently jazzed up about going. But, again, this is, this is something where I think this group qualification was i don't know how to put it qualification was expected for them i think in in the sense not from us as fans but from the players themselves they expected to be at this point for them the question now becomes what do we do in 2022 and i will further mirror another another point that uh, someone made on around the horn i believe it was clinton yates I don't know if 2022 is kind of the end goal of this group, right? Because Mm-mm. it's we, we've, we've put out some of the youngest starting 11s. Actually, we've, we have broken the record for youngest starting 11s in World Cup qualifiers for the U.S. men's national team. What does that mean in a cycle where Qatar is this weird kind of World Cup, right? Winter 2022, mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird tournament. But what does that mean in the context of four years down the line, a 22-year-old Christian Pulisic is going to be 26 at the height of his career playing in the United States for a home World Cup? What does that mean for Gio Reyna, who at 17 years old will now be, what, 23, 24? Mm-hmm. Playing in a home World Cup. I almost feel like the conversation about this team should be, well, whatever they do in Qatar is great. Like, that's awesome. And they're in a group that... Presents them opportunity. We obviously have a very weird variable in the sense that we don't know who the fourth team is, and that's understandable due to the global situation. But, like, I almost feel the view is to 2026, where we're hosting this thing, and it's, you know, like, this is almost like a, hey, go out there and have fun kind of World Cup for the United States, if that makes sense. And there is no pressure around this team going into 2020, or going into this year, into the World Cup. Like, I feel like almost this is just a dress rehearsal for what is going to be a massive test for this team in 2026. I mean, that's a fair assessment. Um, I'm sure that some fans right now, if they haven't turned us off, are <laughs> at least able to hear out what you're saying. Because I I think that's, like, all I can say is fair. Um, I didn't look at it quite that way, you know? I mean, <laughs> I want to see the U.S. ban actually win a world cup in my lifetime um but you know this is how this is how forever gonna get there it's this is how it's it starts this is how it's in the works right um yeah i i really find that intriguing of we have to look to see you know after having the 2018 world cup where the u.s didn't have a horse in the race and now kind of being able to have Dare I say a dog and pony show? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but, but so, so, yeah. so what I would say to that is but let, let's enjoy it. That's what I'm trying to exactly. get at. And I think any single time you're involved in the dance, and I remember the famous Guillermo Shaloto quote from 2019, and I know we've dogged that dude oh my. on this I podcast. My tea. <laughs> I know we've dogged that dude on this podcast multiple times, where he said, like, when we made the playoffs in 2019, he said, all you ask for is a chance at the dance to dance with the prettiest girl. And (laughs) it almost feels like the United States is in that same position where it's like, you've made the dance. No one's expecting anything out of you. 
Fair. Go dance with, you know, the prettiest girl. Or go girl, ask her. <laughs> the prettiest girl, prettiest guy, whatever your gender and sexuality preferences may be. Like, it, it does feel like the United States looks at this 2022 World Cup with the young team they have, because they're probably going to field the youngest team in that World Cup. I think there's no question about it. You look at, you know, of course, Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, um, Jesus Ferreria, uh, Pe Ricardo Pepe. Like, I mean, the, the, the names go down the line. It almost feels like it's just like there's no pressure on this team. And so they get this one World Cup where they can kind of, and obviously, when you're part of the dance, you want to win, right? Like, you, you want to be there. It's March Madness kind of thing where it's like, you look at, like, you know, UNC an eight seed playing the final tonight. I did not see the final result. I apologize if I spoiled anything. Um, but you look at that and you're just like, this is a young group of players that are going to Qatar to basically learn, you know? Because, I mean, if you look at this U.S. men's national team, and you look at the relative strength of all the other national teams that are currently involved right now. Do you really have a reasonable expectation of the United States who could end up in a side with an Argentina side that is Lionel Messi's last World Cup, which has not been officially announced, but I think we can do the math on that one, who are defending Copa America champions? Brazil, maybe. That would be horrible. You know, like these sides where mm -hmm. it's like, where's the pressure for this U.S. men's national team? Like, I don't think there is. And that's what's so exciting about having this precocious young group of players going to car Qatar and basically being like, go have fun. Go play well. That, it's exciting to be a part of that. Yeah. And I, for one, obviously, as a fan, I just want to enjoy it. And I want to see the team enjoying it then. I want to see them going out there because they've got no pressure. They've got nothing to lose. But I want to see them putting on a show. Which I think they'll do. I mean, I, you, you saw it against Panama. I mean, they flew through that game in an incredible level. And so now our beloved LA Galaxy. They have a win on the road in Portland. Now, that Portland side is winless in now six games, uh, five games before they face the Galaxy. And so... You know, wasn't a great squad, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it is not an easy uh, stadium to play in, an environment to play in. Um, and they're they're not an easy team to play against. <laughs> right, and they definitely, you know, it was really interesting to me. It 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 felt like it was more than this game was actually worth in terms of like how physical it got. The ref was card happy. Um, you know, I I feel like. If I didn't know any better, like Portland went out there to go spoil whatever uh, run the Galaxy are on. It's like, okay, you're just, you know, pushing down the dudes and they got nothing to lose in a sense. And just having us accumulate cards for, for upcoming matches, especially when the next match is El Trafico. I, I was a little concerned. Um, I'm not all that concerned that Mark Delgado is is out uh, for El Trafico because he's, you know, he's, he's young. Um He's a rookie, I guess. And so, you know, the whole the whole other thing is just that Chicharito should have had a hat trick. So FRE needs to, like, step it up and figure out these little mistakes. So, I mean, I, as I texted you and as I tweeted, it always feels that whenever we played Chio Savarese's Portland Timbers, it feels like a bar fight, right? Like, everyone's <laughs> clattering into tackles. It is just this most intense, fiery kind of game. Um, 
I, I thought the Galaxy handled themselves relatively well, well in a situation well, where that was a tough game to play, and I, I will fully admit it. Um, I thought Port it was weird the way that Portland set that game up because it, it, it felt like Portland just wanted to win this ugly, ugly game, and the Galaxy kind of let them do that. And I think, and, and, and I, will, I will counter your, your, your concept about Marky Delgado missing LAFC, which I, I think is actually a bit of a disastrous kind of thing for the Galaxy, because if you look at the passing network maps, Marky Delgado and Ryan Revolution were right on top of each other in this perfect double pivot. It almost played like a 4-4-2 for the Galaxy, with Efren Alvarez sitting pocket side next to Chicharito to kind of push him forward. There's a lot of good there, because... If Chicharito is staying that high, the Galaxy are dangerous because Chicharito, as we saw in the first goal, his movement in the box just kills people. And I, I'm going to give Chicharito his flowers right here, right now. That movement on that first goal, the ability to understand that a center back is tracking you hard and so you pull him hard in your post and then go back post, like, and then just completely punk him on that back post run, you know, like... That is the measure of a center back that just, or a center back, excuse me, a center forward that just gets it. You know what I mean? Like, the, like I've said this all the time. Chicharito's runs are so incredibly smart. Yeah, I was also noticing the way Chicharito likes to play. I mean, obviously, you know, he's really good about coming in and um, at the, at the, at the goal scoring moments and you know once he's fed the ball like we we can guess that, that it's going to go in as long as he's got the right angle right well, um I mean, uh-huh. on that run Zuperich does everything right like Zuperich for Portland does everything right he he understands that Chicharito is trying to go near he reads it well but Chicharito reads Zuperich committing that hard near post and he's like all right cool I'm just gonna float back like that that, that takes a certain level of of just tactical nows to understand that like to read that situation so well, and I think, I mean, that's what the Galaxy are going to take advantage of against LAFC, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit here, mm-hmm. but what I think is very, very important, and Matt Doyle pointed this out in his, col- his weekly column this week, which is that, and why I'm kind of worried about losing Marky Delgado for El Trafico, which is Marky Delgado is so solid in the midfield that it allows Ryan Revolution to just make runs through the center of midfield, and if it doesn't work, it's not the end of the world, but he baits defenders into biting into him, which open space for Efren Alvarez, uh, Samuel Grancier, who I thought was brilliant in this game. He's brilliant every game, but yes. And I thought Kevin Grabal <laughs> wasn't bad in this game. I thought, you know, he got very unlucky. And it baits all this space for the attacking trio to then feed Chicharito in these moments where Chicharito just makes this brilliant run and just all you got to do is ping him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the other thing I was going to say about Chicharito is that I noticed that and, and as much as we have creativity in the midfield, I feel like Chicharito is always running back and, and taking space in the mid. And I really, you know, he's already earned my respect, but I really, I watch him, like, he's hustling out there. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's one of the best creators the Galaxy have had in a very long time. The other player that I really want to highlight in this game is Raheem Edwards. I mean... Oh, I love Edwards. Like, I hands down, besides Grand Seer, want... I want his jersey. I know. And again, I know you played for LAOC. Like. <laughs> I know Matt Doyle, when he wrote his like kind of preseason column, said the most important acquisition the Galaxy made was Marky Delgado. And I basically read that and I said, 
I don't think you understand exactly how good Raheem Edwards is. Mm -hmm. This is a guy that leads MLS right now from the left back spot in assists, and it's not looking like it's going to stop. His understanding with Chicharito, and I, I, I point to every move they make, when they are on the same page, which it seems to be most of the time, the modern outside back position is always kind of a weird position, right? Because we're talking about players that basically are expected to defend but act as second wingers when the ball transitions over into the attacking third, right? Like, what Raheem Edwards does so incredibly well is just creating these triangles for defenses to basically say, all right, bite to me, but I know that I can, I have a winger on my side and then I'm just going to pull back on that other side. Like, Raheem Edwards, the way that he reads the game and understands passing is, I mean, would we be begrudged if he started playing the number 10 role? Like, I mean, he, the way that he sees the ball is so incredibly good. And we saw it in this game against Portland. Portland did not have an answer for him. Like, I mean, yes, this game was kind of weird. I will fully admit that. Nima Sagafi mm -hmm. as center ref. And I will fully admit that there's always one game a year. If you haven't been listening to Simply Soccer for long enough, there is always one game a year, which drives me to a massive rant about the refereeing in this league. <laughs> I have chosen to not take this game because I have a feeling there's going to be another game down the road and I want to you know, keep my powder dry for, for that game. But just like the way that Raheem Edwards just understands how when to go and when not to go, right? Like that's all you can ask out of an outside back. And Leerdam had, I, I would say, an indifferent day. I will also say I think Leerdam won the outside back job over Araujo on the day. Um, but well, it, yeah, and then I noticed that Araujo had made a mistake where he he could have drawn a penalty. I, I mean, honestly, I think, it was not you know, say what you will about this ref, I thought it was, um, you know, especially when they were talking about last week, I guess Seattle had like basically gotten a penalty in the same way. And then uh, Depew did, that was a handball. <laughs> yeah. That, so, you Depew, know, we're Depew, lucky. I'm just saying the Galaxy are lucky and they deserve to win. But at the end of the day, yeah. Depew had a better case for a penalty than Araujo did, I thought, mm. as far as I'm concerned. Also, I will I will answer to the red card that was given to, um, uh, to, what's it, uh, to Bonilla. I don't think that's a red. I really don't. Well, see, I totally thought that was and, i mean and, and i was listening to portland radio and liam ridgewell who was famous for getting red cards um he basically said it was the manner in which the shove was delivered which is what elevated to a red i didn't see that so i'm not entirely like i didn't see what he saw in terms of like sure the aggression i don't think it was a red i think what you do is you just give matching yellows to both of them and you know send them on their way but Consistently, the Galaxy put Portland in situations where... They were frustrated. Well, no, just situations where they just didn't know how to defend the Galaxy. And I think this is why I'm really excited about what Vinny's done so far. Is because you look at, again, the passing network map is the one that I am... Is the, the one Christian Conway stat nerd chart <laughs> that I'm going to go on this, this episode. It just looks so tactically clear in terms of... Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to distribute from the back. We're going to have a very clear pairing between Williams and Depew, who I thought Williams was brilliant in this game. And then we're going to use the outside backs to great effect, and we're going to tuck inside and just use Efren Alvarez as this outlet valve to get, you know, Raheem Edwards or Kevin, Kelvin Leardam or, you know, whoever into the attack. Grand Seer being industrious on that outside side. 
and just take advantage of those moments. And they ate that Portland defense for lunch. Like, I understand it ended 10 and 10. And, and I will say, I think Marky Delgado's got to know a little bit better when he's sure. going in for that challenge on that second yellow. Because he know like, we've been in this league for a long time. We know when one of the Chara brothers feels like the slightest bit of contact, they're going down, right? Like, we, we, we know this. This is something. And of course, you're sitting on a yellow in that kind of moment in the game. I don't think you can make that challenge. Like, let your defense yeah. handle that moment, right? Yeah, that, that, that was the problem that I, that I had with that. Um, you know, the one goal that the Galaxy conceded, I honestly blame Bond for that. I mean, look, he had four saves. I love Bond. I think he's an amazing keeper. Um, I mean, some would disagree just because, like, who we had before was Bingham. But I really do think... Who was on the bench for this one, by the way, for Portland? Hmm... <laughs> So the so the um, the thing the thing with the um, you know that goal I just feel like first of all the Galaxy are always giving up goals on set pieces and then Bond should have had that. I, I can understand that that theory. I can I can. But if you look at Twiloma and what he's done, you know, both for the New Zealand national team and you know for Portland, I think that's one of those free kicks you just got to kind of be like, all right, good work. You know, that was brilliant. Let's keep going, you know? Yeah, I mean, definitely, look, the defense of the of the Galaxy are is so much better. I mean, we have... <laughs> well, well, well the, other thing too, the other thing, too, about the Tuiloma free kick is that they gave Portland another shot at that exact same point, like, on the field, mm-hmm. on a free kick, and immediately Bond understood how to reposition his wall, reposition where he stood. So uh, I'm not going to... I'm not going to neg Bond too much for that. I think it was just sure, a sure. really good hit that, you know, yeah, maybe if he makes a fingertip save to that, it's save of the week and we're all like, wow. <laughs> I'm not going to really hurt him for that one. That was that was a fantastic finish. Oh, I don't mean to jump around, but um, Chicharito got a yellow card for literally nothing. That was whack. You're, you're really trying to bait me into this referee rant uh, yeah. early I in mean, the season. I mean, look, other than him being card happy, I didn't disagree well, with was... a lot of the cards flying up. It was a very physical game. I mean, you know, uh, this and look, in historically, uh, the Galaxy and Portland matches kind of go this way, and they're also high-scoring games. They're like one of the top, I think, three top-scoring games in MLS. It, yeah. is, it is the top-scoring uh, ri- rivalry, quote-unquote, in MLS. Mm-hmm. Between the mm-hmm. two, uh, over, with 25 games played, uh, John Strong made a point of that on the uh, broadcast. Mm. I, I think the Galaxy handled themselves well in a in a game where, and this is what Gio Savarez's Portland is all about, which is they're a very good team, and but they're they're a team that is built around putting you in situations where you are so frustrated that you make mistakes, right? Like you are so annoyed with the way that they're playing that you then give them the ball or you just make something, you just make a stupid mistake, a stupid challenge or something like that. And I think the Galaxy really handled themselves well in this outside, you know, obviously Marco Delgado gets sent off and we can talk about the inconsistent standard of refereeing in this game. Fair. But they handled themselves very well. Like I thought, you know, they were imperious for most of this game. I mean, that first half was maybe the best first half we've seen all season. Like, I, I, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. they played so well and did so much that I, I look at it and, and as we start to transition to talking about this weekend, I mean, they just, they, 
they were endlessly just running through that defense and running through that midfield. And I've never seen Diego Chara kind of look a little lost like that. You know, where like, yeah. remember Diego Chara runs games for Portland. And mm-hmm. it was just this constant sense of like, Diego Chara would look up and there would be four Galaxy attackers coming at him and he'd be like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, yeah, Portland didn't have any real chances. Um, you know, usually I I worry about, I think Montero having having a shot, but yeah, the Galaxy, I, I, mean, I was really glad to finally see seven guys on uh, on Portland, you know, seven of our guys. It was just, like, Nish, that's what you could only hope for, yeah, snuff I mean, them out. Nish, Goda, Blanco, and Moreno, who are, are very good operators in their own respects. Just, Did I get the name wrong? Is it? It's, it's Blanco. <laughs> Montero uh, is the... No, 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 Mon- Montero, no. Seattle. But the, the other M name. Okay. Uh, Moreno. The other M name. Or, uh, Mo- the, him, Moreno. So yeah, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> I mean, they all ha- they all just didn't look like they had an answer for the way that the Galaxy played. And I'll point to another tweet that I made, which is, and this is something that I've maintained for a long time about the Galaxy. What Portland didn't understand when it comes to playing with the Galaxy, and this is where I get concerned about what LAFC is going to do with the Galaxy, is the Galaxy are a very good team when they can play defense together, right? Where we build mm-hmm. a framework of defensive ability. Depew, Williams, Sega Koulibaly, if he, if he slots in, you know, Revolution, Delgado, every moment that transitions happened, they all played defense well as a team. They hounded well, they collapsed well, they understood that being a defensively, defensively solid team as a unit was incredibly effective. The thing about the Galaxy, and this is where I get a little bit concerned about what's going to happen this weekend, mm-hmm. is that the, the book about the Galaxy for the past four years has been, okay, well, they play defense as a team well. Well, what happens when you put them in one-on-one situations, right? Yeah. And that's the reason we titled our defensive review of last year, like, giraffes on ice skates, because then we get into those kind of moments. And we saw it a couple of times in this game. But I do think there's... I don't know how to explain it, but it does feel a little... Like, watching this Portland game and watching a couple of the early games this season, especially against Charlotte, and I understand Charlotte is a bit of a weird kind of case... They just look so much more assured in defense. Like, it, it doesn't ever feel like there's going to be a fire that's going to ruin everything. You know what I mean? Like, even against Orlando, which I know that was a game where they lost 1-0, they made one bad defensive error in that game. What I noticed in this Portland game, too, was that there was definitely a rotation of the squad. I mean, we got to see Leardom in the back there. I thought, so, he, I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's great. Um... So I love the the depth. I love that you know the chances that um, like Efrain got to start. Um, obviously, we're hoping Costa is going to be healthy enough to to play and be available. Um, you know, I just am glad that we can get some rotation. What I would like to see, you know, obviously they're going to start Chicharito against LAFC. But what I'm saying, what I'm trying to get at is that. He doesn't have to start every game necessarily. I mean, I would like to see Jovalich, you know, I, if for longer than five minutes at the end yeah, or, and plus stuff time. That is that is the weirdest thing about this season is that fact that, like, the Galaxy have found themselves in games where they just need another striker to be out there. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is, and maybe we're just not seeing something in training, which, mm-hmm. again, we don't have access to a lot of that, which is understandable and fine. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what Jovlich did to Vanny where, you know, I mean, the Seattle game is the game where I point to where I'm like, man, 
I would have loved to see Ovalich at halftime or, you know, even 70th minute, just give him the time. I mean, he's a talented striker. I mean, he comes from good pedigree. Like, you've got to give him the opportunity, man. You know, like, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, Douglas Costa, I looked at this game and I thought to myself, I don't know necessarily if we need him. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I looked at what Grancier and, like, Yes, I understand Cabral is a very controversial figure, and I think he's earned it. Yeah. Um, but his incisiveness at times, I think, really helped. Um, and I, I, I just think maybe Douglas Costa isn't the answer, <laughs> you know? No, no, definitely. I mean, look, I, again, you know, just want to emphasize, I just don't want to see the Galaxy too gassed. Um, that, that's what can happen to them, especially against a team like LAFC, which is sitting in first place, which is, you know unbeaten so far i mean it will be very beautiful to snap uh that streak of theirs in our home so, but you know i think maybe subs might be key I, in, a, in a game like that a quick well yes they will be um and and vanny has i don't think he's he's figured out how to win the subs battle um mm-hmm. what i will say about lafc watching sub sooner okay well there's that too um having watched or like watched a couple of highlights from that orlando LAFC game. Orlando is not... Orlando is good, not great. LAFC conceded two very stupid goals in that game. Just center backs falling asleep, not understanding the assignment, and letting, you know, center forwards just walk into the box and have, you know, fun. Guess what Chicharito was really good at, as we saw in this game? (laughs) Eating center backs for lunch. I think if I'm the Galaxy, what is the plan? Get, you know, our outside... Take their souls. Well, no, just get our outside backs into positions where they can just feed Chicharito moments where he can be smart. And especially Raheem Edwards. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Raheem Edwards tags a little more centrally in this game just to allow a little bit more creation. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised if they... I, I'm intrigued to see who fills the spot that Marco Delgado is going to leave, right? Because... There's, there's two ways you can look at it. You can look at it as, well, we're playing at home. We should be a little bit pr- more proactive. Let's see how long Sasha Kleshin has in his legs or, you know, whatever. Or maybe you go to Saldana or, and, and Saldana has been injured, but, you know, mm. he's, you know, you, you got to fill that spot, right? Um, but I just think there's, looking at LAFC center backs and the way that they collapse, they collapsed against Orlando in terms of going into defense, and when I say collapse, I don't mean, like, a complete and total, like, team collapse. I'm more saying collapsing in defensive shape, right? hmm They left a lot of room for a smart, a smart center forward to kind of make some really interesting runs. Obviously, we're hoping this is the first Vela versus Chicharito battle in MLS. Right? Oh, my God. Finally, if we get it. <laughs> I think Chicharito wins that pretty comfortably. Simply because I think I, I look down. at I look at the way the Galaxy collapse on defense. They haven't been necessarily bad. They've they've had some moments where teams have isolated one-on-one battles and have done very good about winning those one-on-one battles. That has been writ large about the Galaxy since probably what 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just look at this. I, I look at the way that LAFC played Orlando, and I look at some of the goal the two goals that they conceded. And, like, it's Alexander Pato with, like, 10 yards of space in the box and no one pressing him. 
Well, of course he's going to put that in the back of the net. And then I translate that to Chicharito, and I'm like, well, yeah, he's definitely going to – that's that's going to the back of the net. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, so I, I just look at this LAFC team, and they, they have been very good this season. Like, I don't mm-hmm. like giving mm-hmm. them credit on this podcast. We know that. But, but it they, is what it is. But they have been fantastic. And I think – I just look at that LAFC team, LAFC team, and I, I – there's so many kind of moments where it's these half moments where I think the Galaxy this season have been so good about eating that half moment space where, you know, between Revolution and Marky Delgado, who I know won't be there, but between Raheem Edwards and Leardom and uh, Grancier and Cabral and Chicharito and Efron Alvarez, they've just eaten those moments so well that I just, I, I, I do think the Galaxy have a bit of an edge in this game. And I mean, this is a LAFC team that is so much more comfortable on the ball under Stevie Chirendolo. They're not going to have it because the Galaxy eat possession. They love that. And I think what we have started to see, and I will fully credit Matt Doyle here, is we're starting to see the platonic ideal of Greg Vanneyball, which is we use every player in this like kind of nebulous system that moves the ball fast and just eats space, and eats time for fun. And I don't know if Stevie Chirondolo's, who, by the way, San Diego alum, I love Stevie Chirondolo. Unfortunately, he's coaching the other team. Um, I don't think his system can answer to that. I don't think they've been pressed by a team that understands how to use space and time. And I think looking at Raheem Edwards as that outside left kind of variable, if that's the best way to put it, I just don't think LAFC has an answer for that. And well, I certainly hope they don't. Well, yeah. we both do. But I also <laughs> I also think this obsession with Mabadou Fall as a center back, Dan Jovalich for two goals ain't him alive on the, the 3-3 Trafico at their home last year. Chicharito is a better forward than Dan Jovalich. And Mamadou Fall has looked a little on skates this entire season. And I don't understand the the obsession with him as like the great next MLS center back. I just, I, I think Chicharito is going to look at a lot of very good runs and the way that him and Raheem Edwards are connecting. And then you add either Grand Seer or whoever played Douglas Costa, who I thought was fantastic against Seattle. Sure. And I thought, um, he, I thought he was good against Orlando too. Yeah. In this case, I would, if, if Costa is available, I would sub in Grand Seer. Otherwise, yeah, give, give Grand Seer the spot. Yeah. I just, I, I look at this team and, I don't want to be, I don't want to be too positive because I always feel that traffic a week you kind of have to be a little bit like, you know. I mean, it's it's you know this highly anticipated now. Uh, you look with everything going on when it starts with the trash talking on Twitter to, you know, the team both teams coming together and and telling all the fans like, hey, cool it and let's have fun. This game is for everyone and all right. like that. You know, to me, the Galaxy just need to get goals. Cabral needs to be on his. A game. If they can be up three goals by the 60th minute uh, for the Galaxy, I just feel like, you know, that's that's what... And don't park the bus at any point. Don't slow down, pace yourselves the whole time. Which is which is a kind of a, a complaint I have raised about the Vanny era, which is that I yeah. think when he has a result, he gets a little too conservative. Yeah, and you can't do that against a team like LAFC because even if... The, or when think, the Galaxy win this, um, they're still not going to be on top. You yeah. know, looking at the points. I, I mean, looking at the underlying numbers, I don't think a lot of the underlying numbers like LAFC in terms of what they've done so far. So I'm... They, I mean, 
I just, I just think the Galaxy have a lot of answers to unlock this LAFC team. And yeah, I mean, Brian Rodriguez... Pull them apart like that stuff, cheese. Yeah. I mean, Brian Rodriguez has been having a fantastic season, and Ilya Sanchez has hit the ground running there. But, uh, I mean, Sifuentes hasn't been as good as everyone thinks he's been. Guinella hasn't as well. Like, I mean, there's, there's so many kind of things where I'm sitting there being like, who have they beaten that's good? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. who... Mm-hmm. When you look at this team, who have they beaten that you're sitting there being like, okay, yeah, that was a good team, and they actually played very well. Like, I mean... <laughs> Sorry, and then the LAFC's not you know, th- gifted PKs. Anyway. A 3-0 win against Colorado. Colorado is a decent team, but not great. They drew 1-1 against Portland at home. They beat Miami 2-0. Vancouver, yeah, no, Miami's absolute garbage right now. Vancouver, uh, good, not great. And then Orlando, good, not great. I mean... The Galaxy are probably the best team they've played so far this season, so I think it's going to be a fascinating game. Yeah, and that Orlando game that the Galaxy played was super frustrating because you you know that should have been three points. Well, I mean the Galaxy, but... I mean the Galaxy, what had like an xG of two point four six or something like that in that game and yeah. didn't score a single goal, which so those that's the days other happen. Thing. <laughs> sure, sure, but that's the other thing. Like the Galaxy create chances and they get all the shots and everything, but you got to get in the back of the net when it comes to a team like LAFC, or you're going to get punished, or it's going to be one of those. Like, what is it? Like, a, a lot of um, tension, but no release, you know? Yeah, and, and I think if, if they can get Cabral going, and if they can score early, I mean, Douglas Costa or something, I, I do like the Galaxy in this game a lot. I just, I, 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 the way that they played against Portland, and I understand that it kind of turned into a bar fight in the second half, and I get it, I get it, I get it. <laughs> yeah, but just the way that some, thing. that first half, if the Galaxy play like that against LAFC, they're going to score three. Just mm-hmm. it was so effortless, Easily. and also keep in mind, Vanny has gotten LAFC's number. I just the way that they effortlessly created chances against Port, or against Portland. I, I I feel good about this game, and I hate feeling good about the traffic go because I'm always worried about it. I do feel like if they can just play that first half over ninety minutes, I feel very good about what we can achieve. In a lot of ways, too, I feel like El Traficos are almost standalone. You know, in their own right. I mean, it's very MLSy. It's very the Galaxy step up and go hard um, in this rivalry. And, you know, it could also very well just be like a tied game or low scoring game. It's 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 going to be interesting. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. We've never had a nil nil draw in El Trafico. So, you know. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm not, no, I, yeah, I, think this is I a, just don't know if we're gonna get the four three again. Well, I, but you know, well, maybe. We might, well, I, think, I was gonna say I want the Galaxy to score at least three, um, I mean, and I win. Mean, obviously, I mean the way that both teams commit to attacking in the final third, I think it's going to be very open. Um, I think this is a game for the outside backs. Um, I especially point to Raheem Edwards and Kevin, Kelvin Leardam, who I think has won the starting job over Julian Araujo. Um, I, I, I think yeah. I think Araujo is a risk in this game, and I lo- and and I have I've come on this podcast multiple times and defended Julian Araujo, but mm-hmm. but just the way that he started this season, he's a little too aggressive for my liking, and teams have figured out how to yeah. kind of bait him into stupid ideas. No, it's definitely, and, and like I said, they'll gift LAFC PKs, so I don't want that happening. Yeah, and I, and I think LAFC's outside backs are not as good as everyone says they are. Um, and so I think it's going to be a battle of the wings. Uh, but I also hope, you know, the, the one player that I really think needs to step up and have the game of his life is Efrain Alvarez. Um, I thought he was... Yeah, agreed. It's a mental thing. He's been very good this season. But this is the game where it's like, 
all right, we've been hearing about you since you were 17. We mm -hmm. need to see it. Mm -hmm. I agree. And uh, yeah, if he wants to go ahead and take his lightning shots <laughs> right in the corner of the day and can make it, I mean, I'm all for it. I, I'm not opposed. I also think that... I'm not uh -huh. opposed to a repeat of the Charlotte goal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and he's tried. And like the passes, the passes just need to be better at the end of the day. Um, just don't hold the ball for, for so long. You know what I mean? Like, anyways. We, but, talked, um, we talked. Yeah, the, the Galaxies need to get in the back of the day, end of the day. We talked about the, before the Seattle game, about tests, right? We talked about test games where it's like, this has to, this is a test. This is a massive test for the Galaxy. Like right now where we are, which I think, I'm very positive about the Galaxy right now. Like, I think we've played incredibly well. We've done a lot of good work. This is a test game. You have to win your home classic, or Trafico. You have to. I think okay. they can. The talent uh -huh. is there. But they've got to get it done. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's... I think once the Galaxy can figure it out, because like we said, we've just gotten them with so many shots and so many chances. Once they can get this, I think this is the boost that they need. I think this is, um, you know, some more gelling, some more clicks that they just kind of like the, the like Lego pieces, you know? That's yeah. what I think. Like, like they're just clicking into place. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's going to be a fantastic occasion. I mean, El Trafico is always a fantastic occasion. We'll be on national TV. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a day. So stay safe, have fun and uh, be responsible. We can't wait to see you soon.